they deserve to have a happy mom and I'm not happy. And if I do this, you know, if I actually lean into my innate desires, which were to work and to teach, then they're going to have a happier mom and they're, they're going to be happier as a result, you know? And I realized that there were so many other uh, adults that could offer them nurturing that I couldn't, you know, because they had different gifts and skill sets and talents than I had, and that I could, I could give them the nurturing that was innate to me. And I could also allow other people to nurture them. And that that was all part of my responsibility as a mother was sort of orchestrating, nurturing opportunities for them. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. It is February, 2022, which means it is officially the five-year anniversary of the Simple Families podcast. I started this podcast crunched in the corner sitting on the floor of my master bedroom closet because I had read somewhere that you get the best audio quality when you're surrounded by fabric. And of course, being in a closet, you're going to have clothes all around you. But I quickly learned that being crunched over a laptop in a closet just totally sucks. And I decided there was no way that my back could sustain recording a podcast like that. And something was going to have to give. It wasn't going to be perfect. The audio quality would never be ideal. So I decided I was just going to sit at my desk. And sure, maybe the audio quality would take a hit, but at least I'd be comfortable and I'd be happy. And that's what I did. And looking back, I think that I was still learning this really important lesson that has come to me in parenthood, which is life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. This podcast doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, you know, how do you stick with it? How do you keep showing up week after week? And I'll be honest, it is very hard not having outside accountability. And the reason that I show up week after week is because I have sponsors who I have contractual obligations to. So the sponsors for this show not only serve to help financially support the show, but they also serve as some motivation to keep me showing up week after week, to keep me committed to this idea that done is better than perfect. Moving into year five on the podcast, I'm going to be incorporating more interviews. I actually have a list right now of 34 different people that I want to get on the podcast this year. I have a whole variety of topics that I want to cover, including procrastination, dopamine, happiness, self-regulation, flexibility, suffering, emotions, social struggles, imposter syndrome, over-drinking, anxiety, habits, hoarding, time management. Some of these things we've talked about on the podcast over the years, but I think there's much more to explore. And I'm also going to be bringing back the journey to simplicity episodes. That's where I interview listeners about their own personal journey to a simpler life with family. 
If you've been here since the very beginning, since 2017, you'll know that I started the show by taking questions from audience members. I want to bring that back too. So if you have a question that you'd like me to cover on the podcast, email me, danae at simplefamilies.com. I'd love to hear from you. So I have a lot in store, a lot in the works, and I've hired a podcast manager. Her name is Negan, and she is starting in March, and she is going to help me organize it all and plan it all and execute it all. I am so looking forward to having an extra set of helping hands. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And speaking of podcasts, I have one of my favorite podcasters here today with me, Rachel Nielsen. That's the voice you heard in the intro. Rachel is the host of 3 in 30 Takeaways for Moms, which is 30-minute podcasts with three doable takeaways to help moms love motherhood as much as they love their children. I know many of you already listen to Rachel's show. If you don't, make sure you tune in and hit subscribe there too. Rachel is a mother, a teacher, and a writer, and today she's sharing her journey into motherhood. The highlights of our conversation include finding life balance that works for you, understanding idealizations that you had, images that you had of what parenthood would look like, and how it might differ from how it actually feels, and also listening to your intuition, which sometimes can be hard to do in the noisy world that we live in today. I know that many, but not all of you, will relate to Rachel's story today. She brings so much wisdom and insight, and I appreciate her sharing it with us. And maybe if her story doesn't resonate with you, maybe you have a friend you can pass it along to. As always, thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this chat with Rachel. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, I am glad to have you, and I'm excited to talk about your journey into motherhood and how it has looked. Would you say nothing like you expected it? Um. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair, fair (laughs) assessment. I mean, maybe some things, but most not how I expected it. Okay. So how old are your kids now? 10 and seven. Okay. And I have a son, Noah, he's 10 and my daughter, Sally seven and Noah's Noah was conceived through adoption and Sally was conceived through IVF. So we've, we've had our fertility struggles. We got these miracle babies and they're the best. And you're working on or hoping for planning for number three. Yes, I am, which is a very going to be a big gap, but we're excited about it. And hopefully that'll happen in the next year. So fingers crossed. All right. So I am going to get really personal and ask you, you said you're an open book, right? So, yes. So, okay. Probably. So tell me first of all, why you decided to go down the adoption route with your first child. Yeah. So I have known since I was a teenager that I would probably struggle to get pregnant. Doctors told me that it wouldn't be impossible, but they said, just kind of prepare yourself for that, which I'm grateful that I had that heads up, um, going into marriage. I had talked to my husband about it and we knew that that would be the case. So when we were ready to start our family, we started infertility treatments and the adoption process at the same time. And we just were like, whatever happens first is meant to be, we just want to be parents. It doesn't matter, um, where the baby comes from. And looking back, I love my naive starry eyed. I can handle anything perspective because doing either one of those routes by itself is incredibly stressful and intense. And we were doing both at the same time. And I am, I don't know how I survived that 18 months that I was 
going through the adoption process, caseworker, you know, all the paperwork and getting contacts from expectant moms that were considering us. And then a lot of them changed their minds. And then also going through fertility treatments every month and the meds and the disappointments and all the procedures. It was a lot, but in the end, um, we got our Noah first before fertility treatments worked out and we have an open adoption with his birth parents, which has been so amazing. So going back to your original question, um, we got into adoption, the adoption process, because we wanted to become parents and we knew that that might be the only way. So we went for it. So do you apply this amount of efficiency into all areas of your life? Uh, <laughs> like just trying to like, I mean, that just sounds so like well-planned, like I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. It's going to work out like this. Like, do you think, is that kind of, I don't how know. You Cause I wouldn't, I know I'm not like a really organized or no? efficient okay. person, honestly, but again, I think I was just naive. I didn't realize how big of a deal yeah. each one of these would be. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. I want to be a mom. Let's just go for it with both. But I was also working full time. I was a high school English teacher and loved my career doing that, but that's, it's intense. It's a lot. And, uh, yeah, so it was a lot. I, that two year period was a lot on a, on our family, but we made it through and we got Noah. So when Noah was born, were you anticipating his, were you called on the day of his arrival or did you know in advance? Yes, I knew in advance. So his birth mom, Katie contacted us when she was about 16 weeks along. Um, and so from that point forward, we were planning on this adoption, but it's never, um, a done deal until the birth mom has the baby and decides that it is indeed what she wants to do is place for adoption. So, um, but we supported her all through her pregnancy. I was there at the 20 week ultrasound with her. I was there in the delivery room when Noah was born and, um, have a really beautiful relationship with her family still. And so it's been a beautiful thing. Oh, I love that. Are they local? No. So we, um, we have a birth, we have a relationship with both of his birth parents, his birth mom, Katie actually passed away a few years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Yes. Which has been so devastating. Um, but we're still in touch with her family and her birth dad, his birth dad. Um, we live in Idaho and they live in Utah and his birth dad comes a couple times a year for his birthday. And then usually once in the winter to go skiing. So it's Mm -hmm. been really fun. So once he was born, did you pause the fertility treatments? Yes. We paused the fertility treatments until he was about two and a half, just over two, and then started them again. And before he was born, I had only done inseminations, artificial inseminations. I'd never done IVF, but after when we were ready for our second baby, I just thought those inseminations did not work and I'm not doing all that again. So let's go straight to IVF. So we did. And got Sally, my second. So there's a three-year gap between them. Okay. So in your earliest days, when you brought Noah home from the hospital, what was that like for you? How did that line up to what you had envisioned? Um, oh, wow. It was very different than what I had envisioned. Having gone through infertility, especially having gone through infertility, I had really idealized what I thought motherhood would be like. I think all women do that to some extent. And we have visions of how fun it will be to have this new baby and snuggling and rocking and, you know, all the downtime we're going to have when that baby's napping. 
But when you add to that, going through the infertility process, I had really romanticized how much I was going to just love every minute of motherhood with this miracle baby. And I think I felt a lot of responsibility to do it well, um, as almost like as a payback to Katie for what she had given me. I was like, well, I'm going to be the perfect mother to this baby because she really trusts me with him. And, um, then he was very colicky and I had given up a career that I loved to stay home. And I thought that I wanted to stay home. And it was kind of what was expected from my religious culture and my upbringing. And I was so, so unhappy. I mean, looking back now, I definitely was depressed. I clinically, I needed support. Um, here was this long awaited miracle and he just cried all day long. And my husband was in residency. So he was always gone and it was me and this crying baby in this apartment. And it was some of the darkest times in my life. And of course I loved, loved my baby so much, but the experience of motherhood, new motherhood, especially particularly stay at home motherhood for me was very, very difficult and different than I thought it would be. At what point did you realize that maybe stay-at-home motherhood wasn't what you wanted? Um, I would say that I realized that pretty quickly, but I wasn't actually considering doing anything else for years. So, you know, within the first year, I think I was thinking, I don't know, why isn't this coming more naturally to me? I thought that this would be more innate and more fun and, but maybe just powering through it and being kind of miserable is just what you have to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I sort of for years thought, well, if I just work really hard and plan our days out to a T and get outside and do all the activities and everything, then I'll love this. Like eventually I'll get to the point where I love this. And when my son was six, so it was six years of that before I realized I just feel like one day I just kind of looked in the mirror and thought this doesn't fit and it's okay. You don't have to be one kind of mom to be a good mom. You, you can do something else and still be a really wonderful mom, but it took six years of wow. like really intense struggle before I was willing to seriously consider, you know, a different, a different reality for our family. Yeah. You know, I feel like I realized right around the time my oldest was 18 months when he was 18 months, I was pregnant. I was newly pregnant with my second and I was finishing up or I was, maybe I was starting my dissertation and he at 18 months, I felt like he needs more and I need more. Like mm, he needs yes. to get out of the house. He needs more stimulation than I can offer him. And I need more stimulation than he can offer me. Um, and I think that's a very, I don't think everybody feels like that, but for no. me, it was this kind of like, I, I hate to say I am not enough, but in many ways, I actually kind of think that's a healthy thought that I am not enough. Like I need a, we, like we need a community and we need other people. I don't yes. have to be everything. I am enough as a mother, but a mother doesn't have to be enough for a child day in and day out. Absolutely. And I love what you said there about, you realize that it wasn't just that you needed more, but he needed more. And I realized that with my kids where I just realized they deserve to have a happy mom and I'm not happy. And if I do this, you know, if I actually 
lean into my innate desires, which were to work and to teach, then they're going to have a happier mom and they're, they're going to be happier as a result. Like I, you know, and I realized that there were so many other uh, adults that could offer them nurturing that I couldn't, you know, because they had different gifts and skill sets and talents than I had. And that I could, I could give them the nurturing that was innate to me. And I could also allow other people to nurture them. And that that was all part of my responsibility as a mother was sort of orchestrating, nurturing opportunities for them. And, you know, um, I put my daughter in pretty much a full day preschool when she was three and that carried a lot of mom guilt for me because again, I had been raised in a religious culture where I'd been taught that, a you know, a mom's, a mother is the most divine role you can be like your primary responsibility in life is to nurture your children. And I loved that thought, but it turns out that I didn't, it didn't fit for me. And so I just felt a lot of guilt, um, around putting her in that preschool and just felt like, you know, these days are so fleeting with her being this age and I'm going to just hand it over to someone else, which wasn't true. Obviously it's like, you know, but it it dramatized in my mind and she thrived there and loved it. And they, those women who were her preschool teachers had so many gifts and strengths that I didn't have that they brought to my daughter and they loved my daughter. And I got to do work that I loved. I, I started my podcast then and I was so much happier. And I had a moment where her preschool teacher sent me a text one day and I was sitting at my desk working, immersed, focused in the flow, which is my like happy place. And I looked at this text, a picture of her hold, hugging a chicken. They had a little, <laughs> they had a little chicken coop in the back of the preschool. And she had on like her little pink coat. She was beaming, hugging this chicken. And it just hit me so hard. I'm like, she is so happy. She is thriving there. And I am so happy. And this was definitely the right choice for our family, even if it was different than I thought it would be and different than, you know, the people around me maybe thought that it should be, it worked for our family. Yeah, absolutely. So when my, my son turned 18 months, we, which was sort of planned, we put him in a half day preschool program that fall. So he was, it was just a couple months before his second birthday. And Um, it was a half day Montessori school and they had a full day option. And I got to know some of the teachers there and admired them so much. I still do to this day. They were so influential, um, in my parenting experience. And, but the full day program intrigued me because there was a different teachers in the morning than in the afternoon at lunchtime, they swapped teachers And I asked them, I was like, oh, well, why is it that they're, it's not the same teachers all day. My son didn't go to the class, but I just was very curious. And they're like, well, you know, it just, it, it helps for the teachers to be fresh in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And like, you don't say that the same person needs a break. (laughs) Like the same person isn't at their best from sunup until sundown. And that was so liberating to me to hear that they saw that we as humans are in fact limited in our capacity to show up hundred percent for small people mm-hmm. for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And I'm like, or look more. at these like, yeah. amazing educators that can't do it all day and they need a break or they're not at their best. Like I, I maybe I need a break too. I don't yes. know. That was so empowering to hear that. That, I mean, I feel empowered hearing that now and my, <laughs> and my kids are older, <laughs> but like, it's, I mean, it makes so much sense, right. Yeah. That you would need. They, so they can be fresh and they can yeah. bring 
new energy, to bring the best of yes. themselves to these children, you know, but you yeah. can't do it 24 seven. So. Right. Absolutely. And I think so often that that's what we think, you know, we think we're going to, and I, I hear from moms all the time, like I wake up smiling and so happy, ready to ready to start the day. And then it's like that slow decline mm. all day mm. that by the time you get to bedtime, you are quite literally beat down and you have nothing left. And then you start the next day with that steady decline. Yeah. And I think that we all have to find that balance, right? How many hours a day do you need to do to support your well-being? Like if you thrive with a part-time job where you have four hours to focus on your work, wonderful. You know, if you thrive 10 hours a day working on your work, like if that's going to allow you to bring the best you to your children, then that's the best you. And I think we, Mm -hmm. we can drop the guilt and focus on what we, how we can meet our own needs to bring our best selves to the table. Yes, absolutely. And that was a long process for me to learn. But after I, I feel like it was a slow acceptance. Like even after I enrolled Sally in that preschool, I still felt guilt for the first few months. And then as I slowly saw that she was doing okay, she was doing more than okay. She was doing great. I was doing great. It's like over time, I sort of had to, I had to take a step in faith that it was okay what I was doing. And then time really taught, showed me, yep, this is good. You know? And so I think sometimes you, as women, you will feel some trepidation making a choice that you think could support your family, but just try experiment, give it, give it some time and see how it feels after a bit. We're going to pause and take a 60 second word from today's sponsor. The sponsor for today is KiwiCo. KiwiCo offers awesome hands-on projects that create a lifelong love of learning. I think the best kinds of projects are when we, the adults, are learning right along with our kids. To just watch your kids having fun, but it's another thing to have fun with them. Both my kids loved the robot encoding box. It offered a good amount of independence and opportunities to collaborate together. After two years of spending more time at home than usual, it can be hard to find creative ways to spend time with your kids, creative ways that are interesting for everybody. I love that KiwiCo nurtures the creativity and curiosity in all of us, kids and adults. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code SIMPLE at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com, promo code SIMPLE. Thanks so much for supporting our sponsors. Now back to my chat with Rachel. And I do think though, there's this fine line in identifying the need to, to have something else outside of the home and to have the time to dedicate to that. And then also feeling like you're running away from failure. And Mm -hmm. so let me explain what I mean by that. When my daughter, my second was eight weeks old, I remember getting out of the car one day and thinking to myself, I need to get a job, like Mm. a real job out of the house. Cause I was working from home part-time running my business, doing the podcast. I'm like, but I need like a real out of the house, 10 hour a day job. Mm -hmm. And it took me like a week or two. I was online looking at jobs. You know, I had this eight week old and a, a 20 month old or 24 month old. And it took me a while to be like, 
Danae, you're going through a rough patch. This is a hard time. You know, you Mm -hmm. have two little kids and, you know, my husband was working a lot and it was just a really heavy period for me. I wasn't really ready for that. I don't think that was my balance yet. You know, being out of the house full-time, sending them to daycare wasn't exactly what my, that's not where I was at in the journey, but I definitely felt that during the hard times when things felt really hard, I felt like I wanted to escape Mm. and that I wonder how many, did you, did you feel like that on the hard days? You ever go to the job boards? Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's why I, I stuck it out so long is I just thought this I'm not the type to run away from failure and Mm -hmm. I can figure out how to do this well. And I can figure out how to make this fit me. And I did tried my hardest and I did, I mean, I did some wonderful things during those years with my kids, but that didn't change the fact that it's still something inside of me still said, not this, like not this way, you know, it's not, this isn't right for you and it's okay. And so I would almost say if women are wondering, if they're trying to figure out, well, is it just that I'm really in a hard patch and I shouldn't just run away from it versus no, I really do need a pivot. I think recognizing where the, the feelings are coming from, if it's like a feeling of desperation or fear, or like, get me out of here. I hate my life. That's different than this quieter feeling inside of you. That's like, something's not right. You know, so there's something more for you. Um, that's over a long period of time, instead of just like this brief window of time when you're in a really hard place, if that makes sense. Yeah. For years. I mean, I think I thought for a long time I should get a job. I should do something, but I didn't know what. And I think I was just sort of letting it percolate, like in a good way. I, I wasn't, ready to jump yet because I was still figuring out what that was, but I was taking steps towards things that I thought might be sort of my bigger purpose or what I would want to do professionally. So I had been a high school English teacher before I loved to write. And so I started submitting articles to websites. So that was something that I could do from home during nap time. I started writing for a website called power of moms about some of the breakthroughs I was having in my motherhood and some of the tools I was learning about. And I really found a lot of fulfillment in that. And then I took on a little bit of a bigger role in their organization and started editing. It was still a volunteer position, but I started editing for their website and recorded a podcast episode with their, for their podcast. I was the guest. And at the end of it, the host said, you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? And I was like, that is bonkers. Like I could never start a podcast. It seemed so out there to me, but it was like this seed had been planted. And then over the next year or two, I thought that sounds really fun to me to start a podcast. So it's not like it just lightning bolt hit me one day. Like I'm going to be a podcaster. (laughs) It was over the years of feeling this discontent and wanting more and then taking steps towards my desires, my interests, my passions, you know, putting myself in places where I could be mentored by women. I really admired like the founder of power of moms. Um, and then she's the one who made that comment to me that ultimately changed my life. So if you are a mom listening and you are feeling that kind of discontent, I would suggest just starting to take those little steps towards your interests, 
enroll in a class, join a mom group of like-minded moms who are interested or not even moms, you know, um, like-minded people who are interested in what you're interested in and sort of put yourself in a place where you can be mentored by people who may lead to job opportunities later or opportunities to get involved with activism or volunteerism in your community, just kind of following those desires. Yeah. I love that. Talk to me about your idealizations about screen time use. Yeah. So I, um, I mean, I feel like I, as a mom have struggled some with figuring out how much is okay to let my kids and what a good mom, you know, this all goes back to what a good mom, (laughs) you know, what a good, what a good moms do. Yes. Um, and so for years when my kids were young, we didn't even have a TV. We would just watch on the laptop, you know, now and then, um, then we, then we got a TV and at different periods of my motherhood, I've allowed different amounts and it's more like allowed myself to allow them. Yeah. Like, you know, um, but like when I was pregnant with Sally, I was so sick that Noah just watched so much TV and I felt so much mom guilt over it, but I couldn't take care of him, you know? And I really do believe that screens are a tool that parents can use intentionally. Um, that can be a huge blessing to get you through some of those phases. But then now I'm in a new phase where my son is 10 and he, like, I'm like, when, you know, all of his friends have cell phones, which blows my mind, which we're not going to do yet. But like, I'm like, how is he already entering this phase? And what are we going to do as, you know, with technology as he gets older? And I think I do still have a lot of um, sort of like fear-based thoughts around screen time and figuring out what I want to do with my kids with it. Yeah. It's so hard because I think we, many, many of us have a lot of baggage around screen time and Mm -hmm. around feeling like we're failing if we're giving too much screen time and that, I don't know, I have let go of a lot of that and I have felt so much lighter because of it, Mm -hmm. because that guilt wasn't serving anyone. The result of the guilt was shaming my kids for wanting all the screen time. It was shaming myself for not having the energy to, or wherewithal to do something else with them, like, especially during the pandemic. And Mm. it just, it showed up as a lot of baggage for me for many years. And it's funny now that I've made peace with it. I feel like they've made peace with it and there's less of it. It's like less of a thing now. Um, not that I get, they, they still have limits for sure. If they didn't, I know some people say they can have like no limits on screen time and that works. That would not work in our house because literally my kids would be like set up to sundown on screens. Mm -hmm. Um, especially one of my kids who's a heavy, heavy screen seeker. Mm -hmm. So we definitely still have limits, but it feels softer. It feels more flexible and Mm -hmm. it feels better for all of us as opposed to before when I felt like I really needed to have this really tight grip on what it was going to look like. Yeah, for sure. And I I mean, I feel like that I've done a lot of work. I I've actually, during that time when I was so unhappy as a new stay at home mom, I started going to counseling for an eating disorder, which had been the eating disorder had been part of my life for probably a decade but it really came to a head when I became a new mom, I think because I was so unhappy and unfulfilled that that is like what I turned to, to sort of numb and escape that. 
And my counselor did a lot of work with me around intuitive eating, which is like trusting your body and not having forbidden foods. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in some ways that I just relate that to what you were saying about screens, that when we're like holding so tight and we have all these rigid rules around it, it just makes you and the kids want it so much more than if it's just more freedom and flexibility around it, then you don't need to crave it all the time. You know, that's a lot of the work that I've done with my health as well. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you decide you wanted baby number three? I decided I wanted baby number. Well, I I've always known I wanted baby number three. Um, but I had some health problems after my daughter was born that it just persisted for years. And so it wasn't safe for me to do IVF. Then I was taking some medications that wouldn't have been safe for the baby, but then things have gotten better the last few years. And I do think that I am my physical health is so much better the last few years because my mental and emotional health is so much better. Mm -hmm. I think that as I'm pursuing a life that really fits me, instead of trying to push myself into a box and a container of who I thought I should be, my body has reacted like positively to that. And, um, I feel better. This, this condition I had has gone into remission And I, so now they said it's safe for me. And so even though there's a pretty big gap, I'm like, well, let's do this. I've always wanted to, and my husband's always wanted to, um, for a while there, it was looking like, will this ever happen? But now, now I'm able to, and so we're going to, have you started yet the process? Um, somewhat, I mean, I've met with my doctors and things, but I, I'm going to be starting the meds and shots and things next month. And then we'll do the embryo transfer the month after that. So. I mean, I'm excited, but I'm also scared because I've been through it before. So there's no more of that, yeah. like starry eyed naive, naivety or however you say that word from before when I was young and I didn't know what I was getting into. Right. Now I know exactly what I'm getting into. And so I am very terrified, but I also know how worth it it will be because I have these two kids that I just adore. And I'm like, I want another one of these little humans in my life. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think you'll do differently with number three? Do you think you will take more time to yourself? Definitely. I think that, um, I will definitely continue doing the work that I love doing. And I don't think that that guilt will be there. Like it was when my babies were younger. Um, I mean, I'm going to for sure take some time off from work and just enjoy that baby because I want to not because I think I should, but then, yeah, people are like, well, how are you going to do this? People act like there's no way to do both. You know, they'll say, how are you going to keep doing three and 30 when you have a baby? I'm like, well, I will hire a nanny if I need to, or we'll do daycare or we'll like, we're going to figure it out. But women do this every single day, you know, like, so yeah. it doesn't have to be an either or, and we can build a life that really feels like it fits us. And I'm not worried which feels good to not be worried. Cause I think I just have so much more trust now that I'll figure it out that I'm not going to betray myself again. And if something doesn't feel right, that I will figure out a way to help it feel right for my family. That's, that's really impactful. So tell me a little bit more about how, when you decided being a stay at home mom wasn't for you, how that didn't fit into your religious culture and maybe your community. Do you, is your community and your religious culture overlapping much? Uh, For sure. Um, I mean, my, I, 
my community, I have plenty of friends that don't share my religious culture, but yeah, a lot of my religious culture is my community. So I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Mormon, as some people know. And, um, a lot of, a lot of the leaders of our church, like I mentioned, often talk about how a role, a woman's divine role is to nurture and to be home. And definitely there's a sense that, or at least there used to be, and I think this is shifting, but there used to be a a strong sense of it's totally fine to work as a woman if you need to, but if you don't need to, then your husband provides and you nurture, you stay home and nurture and do the mom thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so when I found myself in that place where I didn't need to work, I just wanted to, I'm like, well, what's wrong with me, you know, and what, you know, uh, if God, if God intended me for this to be like my divine role, why am I not very good at it? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like why, why don't I love it more? You know? And again, that was all distorted thoughts because I, I think I'm a wonderful mother. I think that loving and nurturing and feeling deeply for other people comes very naturally to me and always has, but I was equating it to, again, stay at home. Like, why isn't the stay at home life for me? Because if this, if this is what God intended for me, then like, am I just a freak? I mean, that's kind of what it feels like, you know, and all of my friends were stay at home moms. A lot of the women who I really respected and still deeply respect we're stay at home moms. And so I just thought, well, this is what good women do. And so in some ways it felt like I was going against that to do something different. But I also think that we as humans, uh, we really think that other people are more interested in our lives than they are. And that Mm -hmm. really nobody cares what we do with, you know, like I thought like, oh, I'm going to be judged so harshly. And I'm like, I don't think people really care what other people are doing. And And a lot of, I've gone to a lot of therapy that's helped me see myself more clearly and my limiting beliefs. And that has helped so much. And I just really think that even those who may have had reservations about my choices, uh, have seen that our family, how happy our family is. And that's a testament to, oh, there's a different way of doing things and it's okay. Yeah. Do you feel like you have met a lot of other women who have a hard time tuning into that little voice that there might be a change that's needed? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of women who come to my workshops and different things will, will share that with me, but I, I do really want to emphasize that I don't mean just working, you know, I think you don't have to go out and start something or go get a full-time job or, but just if as a woman, you feel that little voice inside of you saying, it's okay to do something more. It's okay to use your talents and your gifts. And also it's totally okay. If you don't feel that, and you love being a stay at home mom and you want to lean fully into that. I think that's amazing. It's just following whatever your intuition and your gifts guide you to. And that's ultimately what I came to is I just felt like God made me the way I am for a reason. And, you know, as I prayed and sort of tried to work through this dilemma inside, I felt like God was like, you're just fine. Like I created you with these gifts and, you know, you don't have to put yourself in a box. So it's just an interesting thing to be faced with kind of a religious culture, the culture saying one thing and then feeling like God telling me something else and realizing, oh, I can go with what God's telling me or what my intuition is telling me here and follow that 
Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Rachel. This has been so great just hearing all of your personal stories. And I think so many people can relate to so many of the things that you've shared. Well, I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us where we can find you online and elsewhere on the internet. Yeah. So my podcast is three and 30 takeaways for moms. And each episode is three takeaways in 30 minutes. And, um, probably the best place to start, especially if you relate to my, to my story of that feeling of unfulfillment, um, is I do have a free mini course. That's how to find more joy and meaning in your unique motherhood and figuring out what that looks like for you. And that is at three and 30 podcast.com slash learn. And so, um, you could sign up for that. And it's just like a three day mini course with an email each day with one actionable tool to kind of help you figure out what it is that you want for your motherhood and build your life around that. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Rachel. Make sure you tune in and hit subscribe to her show three and 30. I am lucky enough to be a guest on the show in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. I appreciate your support over the years. And if you're new, welcome. I'm happy to have you here. As always, thanks for tuning in and have a good one.